Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. If you have your Bibles with you or your iPhone, what's up, Justin? How you doing, bro? Or your, uh, we're going to have it on the screen. We're in the book of James, and we've been going through it the last couple of weeks, and we find ourselves this week in James chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, turn there with me. I'm going to read a couple of verses, just um, chapter 4, verses 4 through 10. It says this, and this is kind of like an add-on to last week. It says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. It's like, wow, James, tell us what you really think, right? Or do you think scripture says without reason that he, Jesus, jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace, thank God. That one little verse, verse six, but he gives us more grace. I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded when I come into church, he gives me more grace. That it doesn't matter what I did yesterday or last week or last year or stuff that are on my mind or my conscience, things that I have done, even maybe coming to church in anger with my spouse. I don't know what it is for you, but he gives us more grace. And the reason James puts that in there is because he just dropped the hammer on the church at large and really on us as a community. He's saying, you're not getting it. You, you, you have to get serious. There, there is one side of, of following Jesus and being an apprentice of him. And for those that are processing that and, and wanting to dive deeper into that, he's giving us really what we probably don't like, but it's like, it's, it's like the blue pill or the green pill. It's like this side or it's that side. And you can't have both. And he says, don't you know that when you become a part of the world and do what the world does and you fall under evil, wicked schemes and you talk bad about other people and you're gossiping and you have evil, malicious thought in your heart, don't you know that that is of the world? And so when you be participate and become of the world, you are now an enemy of God. And I don't know about you, but I do not want to be an enemy of God. That's why James says, but there is more grace. There is more grace. And then he says, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. He shows favor to the meek. He shows favor to the low. And then, this is like our, our, our staple verse of today, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash you, your hands, you sinners. And that's not like a physical washing because in this time of Jesus, a lot of times when they would go to the temple or they would go to sin, they would have to go and, and sometimes they would bathe themselves most of the time before they would even be able to get into certain areas of the temple. They'd have to wash their hands. They'd have to cleanse it. But he's saying it's not a physical washing. He says, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify what's inside of you. Grieve, mourn, wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. In other, in other words, James is saying, you've got to get serious. You've got to, we as, and I don't, this is like perfect for us. We, I would argue, have to get serious, right? 
like in, in the turmoil of, of what is going on at the church at large and in the world at large, I don't even know what to believe anymore. So I, I have to get serious with God. I do not want to fall under what it would be to be an enemy of God. And the title of this talk today is, is God's will is greater than our will. And I know that that's a hard statement. For me, in my life, and as I journey with Christ, and, and to invite you into that, what does it look like to submit? I know that's a hard word for some of us. Get under. What does it look like to get under God's will instead of our will? James opens this up, and I don't know if you knew this. The definition of will is simply to wish, or to desire, or to be will, or to intend. And I like this one: design. So get under God's design. That sounds good, right? I like how that sounds. I, I don't know about you, but I, want, I don't want to get under my design because Lord knows what's going to happen if that happens. I don't know if, if you're ever grateful that God didn't answer or isn't answering the prayers that you're praying right now. Because when it's my will, when it's Sammy's will, well, I'm going to get something microwave style, instantaneous. But oftentimes I have, I have discovered in the making of a leader as God rises someone up, when you look at those in the scriptures in Abraham and Moses and Joseph and Samuel and David and all these people, Jesus himself and the disciples, there is something that's like God marinates you and he puts you in the oven. And he's cooking something within your soul, but it has to come from the inside. And what really is the prerequisite to all of this that James would say is, it can't be your way. It just, I, I'm sorry, like, I don't know, like, I don't know if that bothers you. It kind of bothers me sometimes. But it cannot be, it's got to be God's way. And when we find ourselves in this mature perspective of our soul, emotionally and spiritually, we begin to discover, oh, I would rather want God's will than mine anyway. And it's this invitation of James here. He says to get under Resist the devil and he will flee for you, from you. And then he says to come near to God. And, and guess what? When you come near to God, he will come near to you. And then he says, get serious. Humble yourselves. And then what, what God will do is he will lift you up. If James is going to bring up the devil here, then we, we have to. I, I, I'll be honest. I grew up. I don't know if, if you did. For those that like grew up in the church, maybe you haven't and you're like, don't know these kind of funny jokes, but there was a time, at least in my life, I don't know about yours, where I would always kind of like jokingly blame the devil on everything. And it's like, I, I you know, I was walking, I do it with Kelly sometimes, and I, I try not to do it because it's, I think it's just like immature now for me, but it's like, if I fell or if I dropped my plate of cereal, it's like, oh, the devil made me do it. Or when, when things go wrong, but then the problem with that mindset is, is if that just compounds, you will eventually get under this, this, this notion that the devil made you do everything. Or the devil made you sin. Or the devil made you provoke, like whatever it is. And, and, and hear me, there are times that we'll discover the enemy is after you. The scripture says in this symbolic narrative language in the book of Revelations that the enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion waiting at the birth canal to devour you. He's just waiting. And because we're going through, that's why I like going chapter by chapter, we have to talk about for a moment the devil. I mean, I don't want to give him too much credit because I think we do that but we need to know who our enemy is. 
I don't know if you knew that. Like when you go out to combat, it's pretty simple, right? You need to understand and study who your enemy is. So the reason James brings up the enemy, he's saying, you, you, you got to resist the devil and he will flee from you. And we like that part. But I don't know, if, did, did we catch the submit to God part? So when I begin to get under God's design for my life, and as Kelly and I pray for our future, or as you and your family pray for your future, I do believe that there is this mindset that has to be, God, not my will, not my design, but yours. So, Lord, I'm not going to be lazy. I'm not going to just lay in my bed. I'm not just going to plan things out and be like, oh, well, whatever God wants to do with this. No, I'm, I'm going to be active. I'm going to move forward with what I believe God's doing in my life. But at the end of the day, if God wants to change anything, it's his design regardless. But unfortunately, what happens is there is this enemy that approaches us like a roaring lion. When I um, spoke often, I was probably like 19, 20 years old. I came from Bible school, and I just wanted to tell somebody about Jesus. And I got this opportunity to start speaking at the Christian club at Chino High School. And I'll never forget, I was like given like 10 minutes at times. And I'm like, what on earth can I talk about for 10 minutes to students that like need to know about Jesus? And if you could go back to like those years... I often say that the enemy's playing ground is the high school campus. I really believe that. I mean, probably times 10 now from where it was when I, I remember telling high schoolers, hey, guys, when I was a junior in high school, what I went through as a junior, now junior hires are going through. And it just compounds and it compounds, and we see the work of the enemy and, and his forces and how he wants to make us enemies of God. And he, by the way, he's really slow and subtle. It's almost as if he gets that a little bit more than us, that some things take time and it's slow. And he's not in a rush. He just wants to marinate things within you that are not of God. And eventually you find yourself thinking contrary to the things of God. So I remember I'd walk into the high school campus and I would think, Going back when I was in high school, remembering what happened and getting the, the text messages of like parties on a Friday night and places we can go and, and just the, the, the unhealth of wanting to be with people and hook up and like whatever that means, right? And it's just like this craziness of this high school lifestyle that now for sure is like almost starting to be in junior high and it just keeps adding and compounding. And so I remember I, well, the one thing I would think of is, I know that high schoolers or young people, they believe that, like, evil is real. Or they believe in that supernatural spiritual stuff. And I just remember, like, not wanting to go to, like, paranormal activity. That's, like, old school, right? Or, like, The Exorcist, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Or those really evil, wicked movies, you know what I'm talking about? Where you're watching it and you're like, yeah, this, this has to be real. And I just remember I had to make a decision where it was like, I know this stuff is real and my friends would get all excited about it. And I'm like, where do you think they get these stories? But I remember going into the high school campuses and having to re remind them and just say in the 10 minutes that I had, don't you guys know that, that there, is, there are two masters in this world and one is God and one is Satan? One is good and one is evil? One is light and one is dark, and it really is up to you, and it's your choice who you want to serve. And by the way, if you say you don't want anything to do with God, then now you're saying you want everything to do with the enemy. 
and I just remember having to be really serious. And so for a moment, I just want to give you just a couple of things that the enemy wants to do in your life and why we should submit to God, why we should stand firm because the enemy can get tired. I don't know if you knew that. Look at the, the time when the enemy comes to Jesus as he's fasting and he'll present something to Jesus and he does the same thing to us. Oh, you could have this. He said, Jesus, I'll give you anything you want. I'll give you all the kingdoms. I'll give you the keys to the kingdoms. Just, just bow down to me. And eventually the enemy got tired. And Jesus just, he just stood his ground. And so just a couple of things. The first about the enemy's tactics is the devil wants you distracted. Plain and simple. I don't know if you knew that. He wants you really distracted. If he can get you distracted, it doesn't matter what he has distracted you on as long as you aren't focused on God first. It's like, whatever I need to do in this person's life is if I can just get them away from God, I'm, I'm doing something. Maybe he will even distract you with good things. He's fine with good things as long as they aren't as good as the things you should focus on. And here it is, he doesn't mind a slow erosion of your focus. If he could just get your focus off of the things of God, if he could just tilt your focus just a tad bit on other things that aren't as important to God. And here, here are just a brief sum. Politics. Oh, shoot, here we go. <laughs> Come on, if he can just get you more focused on politics than on the things of God, then he's distracting you. If he can get you more focused on turning on the news than opening up your Bible, is he not distracting you? Whatever your, your choice, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, like whatever your, your news is, the more you put it on and put it on and watching and watching and wanting and anticipating, are, are you not becoming distracted if God is not the first source of where you're getting your information from? The enemy loves that. And the next is like streaming entertainment, Hulu, Netflix, Prime, watching TV, all. And then, and then not even to go into like what is it that you're watching? Like is that taking your focus off of God as well? The next is social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. The list goes on and on. Kids sports, even though some of these are good things, but if he could just get you distracted, then he's, he's winning, he's, 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 he's making ground, he's, he's, the scripture says don't let him have a foothold in your life, meaning like I had older brothers and I would run from him, Zach in particular, we would fight and then I'd run as fast as I could away from Zach because I would sock him as hard as I could and then I would run, right? And I remember seeing my brothers do this too and I would run and then I'd shut the door as quick as I could and he'd just put his foot in the door. But that's what the enemy does. He just, want, he just wants to get, if he could get a foothold in the door. And the, I mean, there's many reasons, but he's just, he's trying to distract you. Whatever he can do to get you away from rest, rest, prayer, Bible reading, church. Yeah, that's important too. Gathering as a people, worship. Make no mistake about it. He will do everything he can to distract you. And here's the next one. It's even scarier. And we would all agree to this. The enemy, the devil. Why, why do I need to flee from the, why, do I, why should I submit to God, Sammy? Well, because if there's good and evil, there's, there's, there's God and there's Satan. There's, there's the one that understands and nurtures our soul. And then there's the adversary, the, the wicked one. Philosophers would call the dragon of our soul. 
Well, what does he want to do? The devil wants, he, he, he wants your family. Do you know that? Man, he wants your family. And all you have to do is open up the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, and read what he does to the family unit. And by the way, if he can get you when you're single, he's already conquering ground. I just, I got I to gotta get their mind off the things of God. If I can just get them to be addicted to pornography, I'll, I'll, I'll get them focused off the wrong things. If I can just get their mind off of the things of God and their singleness, not wanting to marry, not wanting to settle down, not wanting to be healthy, not wanting to grow in maturity in Christ. If I could just get your eyes off of the things of God then I'm, I'm gaining ground. And that's like his prerequisite. Even He hasn't even got to the family yet. He just, is, he just has to get to you as a single. And then we know from the book of Genesis, and the enemy comes to Eve, and then comes to Adam, and then there's this divisiveness. You see, the, the devil, he wants your family. He, he wants your family destroyed. He wants your marriages broken. If he could just get your marriage broken, if he could just get you angry towards your spouse where there's no reconciliation between the two, where there's a divide, so you walk in and you're angry and you say nothing and you just build that up, that's, that's if I'm being honest, that's dysfunction. But that's, make no mistake about it, that's the enemy's hand. And so we have to know what the enemy is up to. And so if the enemy wants to go after our family, then I, I need to submit to God then. I need to take this thing serious. He wants us to think that our children are a burden. He wants you to think that, that the children in your life are just, they're just added stress. They're added finances. They're just a burden to your life. He wants our children's minds and hearts. Did you know that? I mean, all we, all we have to do is look at Hitler's tactics. He said if I could just get a child at a certain age, I could... I could get their whole life. And so I don't know about you, but that's, that's why personally, Sammy, why do you want, that's why I submit to God. I submit to God not only because I want the abundant life that he's called me to, not only because I want the peace that surpasses all understanding, I submit to God not because he is the conqueror of my soul, I submit to God so that he can actually give me wisdom to operate in my family unit so that I can be a healthy father and a Healthy husband. And then here's the next one. The devil wants you to profess your faith in Christ with your mouth, but for your actions to contradict your faith. And James kind of comes at all of us, right? It's like you claim you're a follower of Jesus, but are you even living up to it? What better tactic than to use a follower of Jesus and then lead them astray and then have corrosion build within that person with others? Here's the next one. The devil wants you to be afraid. Did you know that? He wants you to be afraid of riots and disease. He wants you to be afraid of virus and sickness. He wants you to be afraid of financial stress of the future. He wants you to, to be afraid and, and build depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts. Don't you know that when you sit too long in fear, you are no longer resting in him? or resisting the, the enemy. So when you allow yourself to consume those thoughts of fear and, and, and coming against you and just things are after you and it's not gonna work out and they're gonna take me and they're gonna take my children or, or the disease is gonna come, I'm, I'm gonna die, like all that. And all, by the way, those are real, aren't these real thoughts? But the, the enemy wants me to be afraid though. 
The scripture says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So wherever I go, no matter what I do, I need to be rest assured of the confidence that God has placed within me. And James says that that thing that is within you that bubbles up is a, is a, it's a Holy Spirit in your life. And he will give you guidance and he will give you courage. We, I feel like we don't talk about courage enough in the house of God, right? God has given you a spirit of courage to move forward despite the fear and the obstacles. And then the devil wants it all, by the way. He's greedy and he's selfish and his goal is to kill, steal, and destroy. And if he can do that by just taking a little focus off, he's sneaky. Right, Grandma Liz? He's sneaky. So how do we fight the great dragon, as philosophers would call him? Or how do we fight the great adversary of our soul? Here it is. You want to know it? You want to know how you fight? You submit to God. You get under his wings of protection. You get under him. You get serious. You take this thing called life and, 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 and opposition serious. And then what I would say is it's with open hands and with an open heart to God. Here's another way to think about submitting to God. Let God work his will in you. So when you talk to him, you say, God, I want what you want, not what I want. I want your design over my life. I want my heart and my desire to conform to yours. That is what submitting to God looks like. You know, when I, when I often pray, I'm just like such, and, and it's like, I don't even think it's the healthiest thing, if I'm being honest. I'm such a futuristic guy. Like, I'm trying to think for my family and for me and career and this and finances and all that stuff, like five, ten years out. I think there's, there's health to that, but there's not health when you don't submit your plans to God. And I've learned that because God can do whatever he wants when you say, my hands are open and my heart is open and I've submitted my life to you, God. I mean, I, Kelly and I have had those real serious prayers where I'm like, Kelly, when we actually submit our life to God, when we tell him, God, my, my life is not mine, it's yours. My body, my mouth, my gifts, my talents, it is all yours. And you could do whatever you want with it. I would rather have that than the other. And because of that, I really do believe that God, he's going he's gonna to design something beautiful. It's a masterpiece. And so when I go out and I pray, and sometimes in the morning I just take Lenya on a little walk, and I'm, I'm praying, and I'm seeing her play, and looking at the airplanes and stuff, and I, and I pray to God, and I say, God, I just, I just want you to have control of my life. Whatever you want to do, what, however you want to do it, it's yours, God. But can I just tell you my plans first? And then I'll, 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 I'll kind of like give him my whole plan, and I'll tell him what I think, and then I'm like, actually, God, actually, if it's your will, I'll do it. If that's your will, you, you can do whatever you want, God. And I'm telling you, you have to use that language or else you're going to think God is just a magician in your life. And we've missed the, the resurrected Messiah if we just think he's a genie in a bottle. That's not who God is. James goes on with God's will and our will. And here it is. This is where he, like, he brings it all together for us. Verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, Sammy, listen, today or tomorrow we're going to go to this city or that. We're going to spend a year there. We're going to carry on business and we're going to make money. Why, James says, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life, he says. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes like that fog in the morning. It's just here and then it's gone, right? 
And then he says, verse 15, instead you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this and that. And I don't know about you, but that's the most practical thing that you could probably hear this morning. That whatever plans you have for your future, as long as you say, God, I want your plans and your design over my design. Whatever that is, God, if it's your will, then I'll do it. I don't want it to be my will. I don't want it to be my way, God. I want it to be your way. He says in verse 16, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Or other translations say, it is evil for them. The worship team, you guys can come on up. So this one, it gets me every time as a planner. I don't know if there's any planners in the house. He's just like thinking and processing. And by the way, I, don't, that's, I, I think it's a good thing. To plan, the scripture says that a wise man plans, but he builds his house not on sand, but on the cornerstone, on God, on Jesus. And as he does that, he knows that when the storms come, because there was a strong foundation, because the the builder took time, it took a little bit longer, but he took time to actually build a solid foundation as opposed to building on sand or, 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 or sandy ground. Because he was lazy and just wanted to expedite things. I don't know about you, but there are times I just want God to expedite things. But that's not how his kingdom works. It's like a mustard seed that takes time and it grows. Because his ultimate goal is to do something within you internally. Did you know that? That's his goal. is so that you would find yourself in Christ's likeness towards him. So that when you reach the end of your days, whenever that is, that that there is this deep inner work of Christ's likeness in your soul. So we can plan, but that plan is to be committed into the hands of God. Always remembering that these plans may not be what God's purpose is. When you open up your hands and your heart to God, and when you pray his will over your life, you are giving him permission to use your life as paint on a canvas and to make a masterpiece. So Jesus, our rabbi, gives us the perfect example. John 6, 38, he says, this is Jesus. He says this, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, not to do do it how I want, but to do the will of him who sent me, of God. And then in Matthew 6, we know this one. As he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, going a little further, the book of Matthew says, going a little further, he, Jesus, went with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. He was talking about the death, the gruesome death that he had to bear. And not just that, but all the sins, all of your sin and my sin on him at one point of history for all to be on him, that heavy burden. Jesus was saying, if it's, like, if it's possible, let this cup be taken from me and then he says yet not as I will but as you will and I do believe that that is that's the stepping stone progressive loading dot 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 of a healthy growing follower of Jesus is to say you know what God whatever you want to do you can have my business however you want to do it. I'm going to work hard on it. I'm going to plan. I'm going to pray for it. But you can have it at the end of the day. God, these finances, whatever you want to do, I'm going to, I'm going to work hard at it. But it's yours to be. Whatever you want from my career and my life, it is yours. It is your will. It is not mine. 
And so Jesus has given us a glimpse into how we should posture our lives and when it comes to our plans and our future and our desires, it's not my will, God, it's yours. And again, I, I love that the main part of what James is trying to say and he's trying to remind us, and, and if I'm being honest, I got the attention of the high schoolers once I brought the devil up, because it's real. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, you, you could do what you want. You could, you could live that life. But we all kind of know that there's something out there, this, this higher spirituality, that there's this, this darkness. I mean, look, just turn the news on. Like, don't we, can't we agree that there's something evil that is within us that can come out pretty quickly? And then James says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And that's the promise that God gives you that you can resist the devil. You have the authority within your soul to say, no, I'm not doing that today. No, I'm not stepping into that today. No, I care about my marriage more than this. No, I care about my future and my children more than that. And so we have to get to this maturity in our following of Jesus to say, I will stand firm in who I am and what God has called me to because I must resist the devil. And the promise of Jesus in the scriptures through James, the half-brother of Jesus, is when you do that and you stand firm and you submit your life to him and it's his will over your will, he will flee you. He will run from you. He will leave you. And there will be times, friend, let's be honest, that he'll come back prowling like a lion, ready to devour you. But the more you get healthy, the more you understand the word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword, he will give you confidence and he will give you courage. And there's going to be a day where you're going to say, no, nah, devil, I don't need that anymore. I can walk away from that. I don't need that addiction. I don't need that relationship. I don't need that bondage. I can stand in the fullness of God because it's God's will, not mine.